everyone, and welcome back to the Balanced Bodies Blueprint. I am your host, Vinny Russo, along here once again with my co-host, Dr. Erin. Hello. <laughs> Same stuff every time. <laughs> We're shifting gears from all the conventional narrative you normally hear on most fitness podcasts, as our main emphasis lies in preventative healthcare, adopting a holistic approach to nutrition, and challenging the traditional views on various fitness topics. Our mission with this podcast is to serve as your beacon guiding you on a journey towards achieving optimal health. In today's podcast, we are going to do a deep dive into the importance of priming for a diet. Before we go ahead and get started, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our new sponsors of this podcast, Legion Athletics. I, for one, can be very skeptical when it comes to supplement research, uh, especially with Dr. Aaron, making sure that I look at everything. But I must say that I was very impressed after looking at all the studies Legion provides for every ingredient that's within the product. So I can appreciate the effort that they put in there. Um, and before I forget, one more quick shout out. I want to shout out Alex Williams uh, for not only sharing our podcast on his social media, but for also leaving some really cool comments. So Alex, thank you for that. Thank you, Alex. All right, let's dive into the episode. I'll be guiding the discussion, asking Vinny questions about priming for a diet. Are you ready, Vinny? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get a, go ahead and get after it. All right. Um, so first off, um, what is priming for a diet phase? Um, what does it mean in the context of nutrition and weight management? So when you're priming for a diet phase, you're basically setting yourself up. You're setting the stage for dieting. A lot of people just continuously stay in this calorie deficit and they never let their bodies recover from that. And the only way to diet down is to go into a further deficit, which becomes unsustainable and fucking miserable. So I want you to think about it like if you have two cups of water, one cup is full, the other one is just about empty. The, the, the water that you see in the cups, that's going to be um, your metabolic capacity, how many calories you handle per day or how many calories you're currently eating. Let's just put it there, like you're at this maintenance. If you're almost empty, you don't have any calories to pull from, meaning if you go to pour it out, you're gonna pour it right out and there's gonna be no calories left. If your cup is full, you have water to pour out, you have calories to cut from. So that's the main issue here is that um, people don't prime themselves for a dieting phase. They go into a diet phase, they get to the body or physique that they wanna get to, uh, they usually use extreme measures to do, to, to, to do so to make sure that it happens in the quickest amount of time, which isn't always the smartest idea. But then what happens is that they're afraid to add food back in because they don't want to gain weight or they think that by adding food back in and helping their body recover that they're just going to go into this, um, they're just going to slap on body fat mode, right? Um, but then this is where metabolic adaptation um, comes in because when you're severely restricting yourself so much, that's when your body just naturally, you know, suppresses its own metabolism to match what you're feeding it. Um, and I know metabolic adaptation right now is a really, really big topic. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit more? Um, what is it? Metabolic adaptation? Yes. Uh, simply put, it's when your body naturally adjusts its caloric expenditure based off of the caloric consumption. So it's essentially your body's response to changes in calorie intake. Hmm. Um, how long does it take, do you think, to reach 
a metabolic adaptation? It's going to be dependent upon the individual. Um, I know initially like acclimation to a diet is anywhere from 10 to 14 days. Like when I first start our clients off, I'm like, Hey, we're going to run this for 10 to 14 days and see how your body responds. It usually takes that long to acclimate, but adaptation can kick in very quickly. Um, and it could, uh, it, it'll be different amongst each individual on how much, um, it adapts and how quickly it adapts. Okay. Why is it important to avoid metabolic adaptation? I wouldn't say we need to avoid it because uh, it, it's the natural response of the body. It just gets a bad rap because it's evolved when people are doing sustained low calorie intake, right? And then that kind of sets you up for a poor situation. But in that situation, the body's metabolism, which metabolism really encompasses all the processes that will convert food into energy. And what happens is that slows down to match the reduced energy intake. And your body does this through a few mechanisms. And one of them is like reducing your BMR. Your BMR is your basal metabolic rate. And that represents the calories burned at rest to maintain essential body functions. Uh, but when metabolic adaptation occurs, what happens is you unintentionally, because you're not trying to do it, but you decrease the natural movements, your natural movements. And why you do that is to conserve energy. And that leads right into um, your overall NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that's basically the energy you burn or expend through things like walking, through fidgeting, talking with your hands like I'm doing, standing. Um, and then basically what happens is the body tends to reduce those activities to save energy. Your, your body is very, very smart, but it adapts to what you're feeding it. So if you stop fidgeting, is that a sign that you've hit metabolic adaptation? <laughs> I want to, that's not necessarily a sign. Like you're not really going to notice that you stopped fidgeting. Um, but what I would say is that, um, when I was in one of my, uh, one of my preps after, after the competition, I was doing a video and I was thanking everybody on social media, like all my family my friends, my coaches, that stuff. And when I was talking, my blinks were so slow. It was like, I was purposely trying to blink really, really slow. And I didn't even notice that until I watched the video, but your body just slows down certain things like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so my next question is, what are key factors that people should consider before starting a dieting phase? I mean, the, the biggest one that sticks out is, are you even healthy enough to start a dieting phase? Like understand like your health first. Um, then bring into question, like how long have you been dieting for? Is this constant? Are you, are you still doing this? Were you even successful with your previous diet? If you were, well, or if you weren't, what's your body composition doing? Is it changing at all? Do you yo-yo and hop up and hop, hop, hop. I said hop, hop. Do you yo-yo and hop from diet to diet? Um, like these, you got to take these, these in to consideration before you even jump into a dieting phase because you're about to start doing that stuff. Like you're, you're, you're going to go into a deficit. It's going to be a struggle. So are you constantly eating low calorie and like, for example, low carbohydrates now? Um, do, do, you, do you get afraid when you think about adding food back into your diet because you're afraid of the scale weight going up? Are, do, are you even ready? That's the real kit here. Are you even ready? And a lot of that has to do with health and your psychology behind it because it, it does take a lot to go into a dieting phase. So how does someone determine if they're ready for a diet? Um, basically, like our thinking about or asking yourself, are you even genuinely motivated to make a change in your eating habits or, or your lifestyle? Are you going to be committed to the process? 
right? Because having a strong desire to improve your health or having intrinsic motivations is going to actually help you put forth an effort that, that you could sustain throughout this dieting process. Um, did you set realistic goals, right? Are they achievable for you? Because unrealistic expectations, which we get a lot here with the clients that first onboard and they need to be told like, hey, you're, str you're, you're shooting for the stars here, which is great, but we have to be realistic with what we can achieve here. Uh, because what it happens is it'll just lead to more frustration and disappointment and you'll get and you'll just wind up quitting. Um, making sure that you have like a support system in place. Like, do you have something in place, whether that's friends that you're like, Hey, I need help with accountability, like make sure I'm accountable. Or if you got loved ones and family and you want their support through it or having a company like us, like, like what we do with balanced bodies who can not only guide them, but also encourage them, right? That could be a significant asset for you when you're going into a diet phase when you're ready for that. Um, touching a little bit on the psychology aspect of it, like how are you emotionally? Are you even emotionally stable to, to handle any setbacks? Or are you gonna have this all or nothing mentality going into it, which is just gonna drive up stress and anxiety? Uh, one that I didn't mention yet, which once again, I'll, I'll reiterate, um, health. So do you have any underlying health conditions or do you have dietary restrictions that need to be addressed before starting a diet? Right, because that's when you got to consult with the healthcare provider, and you could even touch on this too. Um, you got to consult with the healthcare provider because they're going to let you know like certain things that you should and shouldn't do. Well, um, in my experience, I, I tend to see people on the extreme side. So, like an obese patient, for example, that says, I'm eating 1200 calories a day and I'm not losing any weight. Do you, like, in your mind, is that metabolic adaptation or is something else going on there? I believe they're probably not doing what they think they're doing. That's usually the case. They're usually consuming yeah. way more than they think. So especially yeah. if they're obese, um, and that's not a knock against obese people, but it's a knock against everybody. Like <laughs> you don't really realize what you're actually doing until you start tracking it and writing it down. And people think that's too meticulous and they don't want to do it. So they're going to say, oh, I'll remember. No, you won't. Your brain's not going to yeah. remember. It it's doesn't want to spend the memory space on trivial things like that yeah in your mind is or how do you prepare somebody like that for a diet um you know along the lines that you've been talking about well if some like you just mentioned if someone like that comes to me we're gonna track we're gonna see what they're actually consuming and i'm gonna point it out and we're gonna understand and i'm gonna have them help me create the plan because that brings in a sense of autonomy and autonomy and having skin in the game, like you, you want to do it. Like you're helping me create your plan. This is the, like, you're going to want to do that because you're helping create the plan. Uh, but the main thing with those um, type of situations is really getting them to see the big picture. And the big picture is let's track everything you're doing. We'll count those calories up and we'll average it over the two to three weeks that we run this. And we'll tell you where you're actually eating compared to what you thought you were eating. Right. Yeah. And kind of along those lines, since we're talking about health, um, how, how do you identify and address potential nutritional deficiencies or imbalances? That's a good question. Really good question. Um, nutritional assessment. So basically going through what they're eating and you could pretty much see if they're lacking in certain nutrients by the food items that they continuously eat uh, and the food items that they leave out. I know a certain blood tests, and you could probably touch on this, um, that could be necessary for assessing specific nutrient levels. For example, I know vitamin D, uh, even vitamin B12 as well. Um, looking into health history, which is something that you do very, very diligently on the onboarding process with our clients. 
uh, because that could show some medical conditions that can affect nutrient absorption. Um, yeah. I would, I'm not a big food sensitivity and allergy like test guy, but if you <laughs> do have food sensitivities, if you are like, um, if you do have celiacs, like that's legit and we need to know. And then like, it's like the foods that you avoid or have to avoid or don't really sit well with you. Well, what nutrients do they have that you're not getting in? Right. And then obviously looking at their supplementation protocols, because, um, if they're taking, you know, multivitamins, if they're taking, you know, fish oils, which we could talk about if they're taking vitamin D, D3, um, then you can understand like, hey, well, they're taking these in and based off their diet, it seems like they have a decent amount coming in. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from, from the client side, looking at like what their preferences are, I'm not a big fan of um, any uh, gut testing for uh, quote unquote allergies, unless you have some kind of anaphylactic allergy to a specific food. Um, I think those are the legitimate allergies um, yeah. or something like, uh, you know, celiac disease, as you mentioned, um, then, then there are good testing for that. Um, but the sensitivity specificity of the other tests are um, not, not uh, well uh, established. Yeah. Essentially. yeah the, the IGG, the IGE. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what just, flipping scripts here with the blood test. Um, I mentioned vitamin D and vitamin B12. Are there any other ones that stand out to you? Um, those are, I mean, you can do folic acid. Uh, so some people, usually chronic alcoholics will be, um, more deficient in like vitamin B12 or, uh, folic acid. Um, but yeah, those are the, the mainstream testing for vitamins. Um, as far as, you know, looking into, what they might be deficient in, when, what actually might benefit them. Got it. Uh, what are the common mistakes people make when they skip the priming phase and dive directly into a diet? Everything that you see out there today, that's it. <laughs> like The common mistakes, people just aren't ready to diet again, right? And they think something's wrong with them. And then they say, I need to find a functional health coach to help me with my hormones. And like, no, uh, you got to give your time, you got to give your body time to recover. Uh, but the problem is that they think, and here's another mistake that they make, is that they think that they're going to gain body fat back by adding food over time. If you do it the right way, you won't. And there's certain, like when clients go through my metabolic capacity phase, it's we do it very strategically. Um, I go off your biofeedback and the data that were, or the metrics that you're providing me on a week-to-week -week basis to allow me to assess what we're going to do with your diet plan. So if you do it the right way, um, you're not going to slap body fat on. I've, I have proof of that with our clients. Um, so that's a big, that's a big uh, mistake. And uh, the last mistake is obsessing over the scale, right? You make that the primary measure of progress. Well, if you're going into a priming phase, you're trying to add food, right? You're, you're making sure that you have enough water to pour from your cup. You're going to, your scale weight might go up a little bit, right? Glycogen stores, glycogen stores with water and carbohydrate in your body and liver and your muscle cells. So you might go up a little bit in the scale weight. And if that's your primary measure of progress and you don't want to gain weight, then you're going to be pretty upset and that'll keep you from doing this. That makes sense. Um, what about gaining weight? Can you kind of touch on um, the mental aspect of maybe gaining weight and how you can prepare for that? Yeah. Um, so touching back uh, when you asked for some strategies earlier, um, but setting realistic goals, right? That's going to be always in the mix because 
when you have these clear, realistic objectives, um, you're going you're gonna to know that, hey, if I'm going to add food, I'm going to focus. My goal should be more or less on muscle or strength or energy, not so much focused on, well, I'm going to try to eat as much as I can and not gain anything, right? That's an unrealistic goal. Uh, but having a realistic goal is like, I'm going to eat more food to fuel the workout, which will make me stronger and will build muscle. And my scale weight might go up because it's muscle, right? So setting realistic goals. Uh, mindset shift is going to be another one. Just, you know, recognizing that it's, that you're building a healthier, stronger body that, that, that you're actually allowing yourself to recover from a dieting phase. Having that mindset shift instead of, I'm afraid to add food because I'm going to get heavy, Right. Another one is trusting the process. And I know that gets abused over time, but you need to trust that this is going to be part of that larger plan to achieve that desired body that you want. It's, it's not so much taking a step backward, but rather a strategic move to move forward. So think about rock climbing. If you're rock climbing, it's not going to be straight from the bottom of the rock up to the top. There's going to be times where you're going to have to go horizontally. You might have to go back down to go back up, right? And that's how you got to see this. You got to trust that process. Um, seeking professional guidance is going to be huge, especially if you know that you might have a hard time with this mentally. Being there to be able to vent to someone. I mean, I know me personally with Voxer communication, like there's a lot of communication that goes back and forth where people feel scared. Um, they feel scared with adding more food. They feel scared if their scale weight doesn't drop in a linear fashion. And you, there, it's a lot of reminding like, hey, remember what I told you, you know, it's going to be there's going to be fluctuations. Appreciate how your body fluctuates. You know, it's like little reminders. So having that professional guidance is going to be huge. Um, monitoring your progress could be another thing that helps with the, with the mental aspect of this, because you're not just looking at it in terms of scale weight. But let's start. Do it for guys, let's measure your arm circumference, right? Let's see how much those biceps are growing. Uh, for, for females, you want your, your lower body to grow and get bigger and stronger, and you want your glutes. Let's do some measurements, right? You could do DEXA scans. Um, how is your energy? Like, do you, do you just feel better throughout the day? And that could all be um, positive changes that, that'll boost your confidence. Uh, gotcha. So I, I'm gathering that um, somebody who is going into this priming phase um, before they actually start a dieting phase, this would likely be more geared to somebody that might be a normal weight or slightly overweight. Or would you recommend this for, as I mentioned, like an obese patient? I would recommend it for anybody who has ever dieted before. So even, even if you're starting with a BMI, you know, over 30, you would say, do a prime first and then jump into a dieting phase? Well, your prime might be um, tracking what you're eating because you're gonna stay consistent there, right? So oh. that could be your prime initially. Um, having a high BMI, obviously you wanna bring them down. You do, but right. we gotta, you gotta understand what they're eating first, right? If they're eating a decent amount of calories, they, they've been priming. They've been priming their body to store fat. That's what they've been doing. So then once you see that, then you could assess and say, okay, yeah, we could go into a deficit. But if there's someone that is a little bit on the obese side, because there are cases of this where they are eating very low calories, um, there, there's metabolic suppression there, and you're going to have to feed them up to bring them down. And it sounds very unconventional and very scary, especially for those obese people, but it's a necessary step for where you want to go in the future. Right. As a physician, you know, 
my goal is to just tell them to bring their BMI down. So it seems counterintuitive. So can you kind of talk about like, or provide examples or tips for tracking um, progress and maybe moderating changes during the prep phase? Um, yeah, so regular measurements, right? Keeping track of that, your body fat percentage is gonna be key here too. Um, waist circumference and any other relevant measures. Uh, even scale weight, just keep it in there. Understand it's a secondary measure. Photo comparison is gonna be humongous. Um, so always doing that. You could do once a month. You don't have to do it every week. A lot of people like to send pictures every week. Don't have to do that. You're not going to see that much change. So once every four to four to six to four to eight weeks is, is perfectly fine doing that. Um, tracking your, your mood. I know mood swings happen a lot when you go into a deficit and you stay in a deficit for a while. So tracking your mood. Um, there's a, you know, you could do a mood scale rating of one to five on how you feel each day. Um, the big thing too is going to be performance in uh, your physical activities. So if you engage in regular exercise, you know, you wanna monitor that performance. So is your strength improving? Is your endurance improving? Um, how's, how's your energy even going into the gym? Are they all improving? Because if it is, you know you're doing the right thing. The way your clothing fit is another one. So keep an eye on how your clothes actually fit you. Are they getting in tight? Are they getting tight in areas to where you know, you really want them to get tight, like guys with their uh, sleeves, you want them to be tight. Um, or are they getting looser where you want them to get loose, like around the waist? So as a um, female competitor, I was always worried about this metabolic adaptation and always worried about, all right, if I, you know, track my calories and have to, you know, um, overcome this metabolic adaptation, how much weight could you expect to gain if you were in this priming phase? Yeah, it's all going to depend on the individual and how the body responds. So there's no one-size-fits-all answer here. Um, I know people want to hear, uh, they want to hear a definitive <laughs> number, uh, yeah. but honestly, that number would just be arbitrary. It's, it yeah. wouldn't make sense uh, because everyone's so different. But if you do it the right way, I mean... It really wouldn't matter if you're because if you're gaining the right type of weight, what's what's the difference? Well, speaking of the right type of weight, you would think that if you are somewhat in a caloric um, surplus above your um, maintenance, then do you think any of that weight gain would be muscle? And if so, like how much would it be um, muscle versus fat? Yeah, uh, once again, depends. But I wouldn't even see this as being like a caloric surplus, especially if people have been in a deficit for so long. It's actually just bringing them up to try to go up to maintenance and bringing them to a new maintenance, like actually taking their maintenance and increasing it over time. That's going to be yeah. the key here with the priming phase. It's not so much going into um, a surplus and thinking about bulking. That's my next question is um, I hear this term clean bulking a lot. Um, would you consider this a clean bulk as uh, bodybuilders like to to coin it? No, that's that's for the birds, that term. They could throw that out. <laughs> throw that out. Throw that out with the garbage. Uh, <laughs> no, clean bulk. Yeah, I'm not a big, I don't believe in bulk season. Um, it used to be like people said dirty bulk or clean bulk. You're just, you're, you're saying that you're eating more clean foods, but then, therefore you're supporting the dichotomous view of, of foods of being good and bad, clean and dirty. Um, if you, I just call it gaining phase, if you want that. But I mean, we're, we're trying to prime you for the dieting phase. Uh, I wouldn't consider this a clean bulk. Um, along those lines, 
how do you determine um, how long the priming phase should last? Like, have you seen people that have this crazy metabolic capacity where you can prime for a very long time and get their calories up very high? Yes, yes, yes. I'll give you the example in a second. But um, to answer your, your question, it, it, once again, it depends. Um, it could be a few weeks. It could be a few months. It might even take up to a year. Um, the whole thing is, is the priming phase is priming you to go into a diet, right? So we do want to increase the metabolic capacity. Um, so with that in mind, we also have to understand, well, what are your goals too? Because that's going to determine how long this phase is. Um, and what's your readiness too? Are you even ready to go into a deficit? Like if you just got out of one and we've been doing a priming phase for, uh, let's just, or metabolic capacity going into a priming phase, let's just say, you know, it's only been four months. Are you even ready to go back into it? And, and are you healthy? Right? So it's all going to be dependent upon that. But just, there's a few examples. Um, for one, I'll just mention Julian. Um, he's an older male and we're, we dialed his body in to where in the off season, he stays shredded absolutely shredded you just saw a picture of him the other week that he sent um he's on point and we work his calories all the way up in the off season so um it's it's pretty cool because once you get your calories up to a certain point and you stay there then when you go into the dieting phase you actually diet down on calories than you did previously and then you do it again and sooner or later you're eating so many calories in dieting phase that if you go on vacation and say like hey i'm gonna eat three meals of my choice you might come back losing weight because of how high your maintenance is and it's hard to go over it. So it almost becomes a job. So that would be the goal. Um, not, not ever have to worry about um, going on vacation and, and coming back 10 pounds heavier. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious because you gave me an example of a male client. Um, do you have any female clients that kind of fall into that where you've expanded their metabolic capacity so high that, um, you know, they, they always kind of walk around shredded you know one of them jen ramirez was one uh we did a competition with uh f i think it was first form and she won it was a transformation challenge and then we went right into a um <laughs> we went into a uh powerlifting competition and she took first there and that was through and she was shredded doing it um, yeah. so we built her calories back up after bringing her down and we had maybe two, two and a half months to, to bring her up for her, for her meet. And, uh, yeah, she wanted to take it first, but it's, I see it's a lot harder with females. Um, and I, I think that's a lot, that has a lot to do with the mentality behind it. It's almost like you'll question it more than a male would because a male's okay with saying, I'm going to eat more food and I'm going to throw even more weight around in the gym. I think it's a mentality thing than it is so much a physiological thing. Hmm, interesting. All right, I'll accept that answer. <laughs> no thoughts? No, no thoughts? You're just going to leave me for the wolves? I here? was just going to say, do you have any data like to support that? Anecdotal data, anecdotal evidence. It, it seems like, uh, you know, just uh, physiologically speaking, uh, you know, females tend to hold more body fat than males. So, so I, I would think that perhaps, um, you know, expanding maybe expanding their metabolic capacity might be a little bit harder of a challenge based on their um, essential body fat needs. Yeah, I mean, it, when you talk about it from a logical perspective, like you just brought up, like, yeah, females are supposed to have more fat on their bodies than males. Um, and we even know of, you know, um, res calorie restricted amenorrhea, 
right? Like things go wrong when females lose too much body fat. Regular client who's not going on stage, we don't have to get them to that point to where they lose their period. So it's really, it never goes to those extremes. Uh, but I will say that from a logical perspective, yeah, um, w women should store fat a little bit sooner than men. But once again, everybody is so different. It's just the, like a one size fits all answer here. What about, um, is, do you see any correlation between how long somebody has been dying, dieting like a chronic dieter, for example, and how long, um, that priming phase might last because of, you know, their chronicity and dieting? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a positive correlation where the length of time it takes you to bring them up with how long they've been a chronic diet for. So if they've been dieting for a very long time, it should take you longer to, to feed them up. Um, we have one client right now, I won't mention her name, um, but we are doing this metabolic capacity phase and she's actually adjusting really, really fast. And she's been in the deficit for, for a year um, through, through co competitions. So um, it's once again, variable, right? Uh, she might be an outlier, but I do see a positive correlation with the longer you are a chronic dieter, the longer it's going to take you to work up your, your uh, calorie intake. Once you're done, do you cut? Well, the whole point is to prime you for a dieting phase. So I would <laughs> say, yeah, you're primed for a cut phase. Um, you could maintain where you're at and you could hold that for a while if you want and just um, adjust you know, your, your calories or your macronutrients based off of your preferences. But in my opinion, I would say um, use the fact that your body is acclimated to more calories to your advantage here. And yeah, go into a dieting phase uh, as long as you're ready for it. I guess we should explain what a cut is. What I mean by cut is decreasing your calorie intake. Yeah, yeah. So going into a deficit again to try to lose body right. fat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Um, are there e any easy ways to determine like what your BMR is and, um, you know, especially after a phase where you you're primed and, um, what your BMR is going to be if you are cutting down, um, I, your I'm calories, not sure what you're asking at all. Like if your BMR is a, like, let's say your, your BMR after you like increase your caloric intake. Like how much should you cut your calories to begin with? Or what's your recommendation on that? So you want to just know after a priming phase, if you're jumping into a dieting phase, what should the initial calorie cut be? Yeah. Um, you could play it safe and go anywhere from like 250 calories to 400. Uh, play it safe there. I wouldn't go extreme. I would always do things methodically and more on the safe side because the whole key of dieting is to diet down on as many calories as possible. Not to see how many calories you could cut and fucking withstand and show like willpower and, and dedication. It's about playing it smart and dieting down on as many calories as possible. So start with anywhere from two, 250 calories to, to 400 and, and see how your body responds. If it responds the way you want it, roll it out until it starts to become stagnant. If it doesn't and you want more, you can increase it a little bit. How long, so once you've um, kind of gone into the deficit, how long um, would you sustain that deficit for? Once again, depends. Depends on the goals. Depends on how your body's responding. Depends on how many times you need to do a maintenance break. Um, because the, the whole point is to get there uh, in a sustainable manner, right? 
So if you want to get there in an unsustainable manner, it could be very quickly, but it's going to feel like shit. Um, and you don't want it that because once you come off, you're just going to gain everything right back anyway, which is normally what we see happen, uh, like with Biggest Loser and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of length of the cut, it's all going to be dependent. And if you have a goal in mind, like let's just say you have a wedding date, right? And you want to do a priming phase before that. Well, listen, give yourself a good year, right? Give yourself not to cut. Give yourself a good year to have a priming phase and a cut phase in there and do it the correct way. Now, a year might seem like a long time, but it will do it, it'll mean so much more to your future physique than trying to fit it in within three months. So for a normal person that's kind of trying to um, have a good physique, for example, where they're somewhat lean but also healthy, um, would you recommend going into a priming phase and then um, decreasing their caloric intake and doing this like over a lifetime to maintain their normal weight? Or what would you recommend like if somebody's just like a normal weight trying to optimize their physique? Uh, by optimizing the physique, uh, what, is, what, do, what do they want to do with the physique? What's optimized to them? Right. So you would get their goals first. Exactly. And then and then program from there. Yep, you gotta know what they want. They're hiring you to bring you to where they wanna go, so you have to know their North Star. Their North Star is going to be their goal, right? And that's gonna guide us to what we have to do along the way. Um, so, go ahead. So along those lines, like, would you recommend something like this for a non-athlete? I'm thinking about like the patients that I might be treating that are trying to maintain their weight or, or maybe get a little bit leaner, maybe lose a few pounds here and there. The priming phase, like I said earlier, could be used for anyone who's ever dieted before just to make sure that, that you know, you are ready to actually go into a dieting phase um, and understand just where you it's, it's really giving you awareness of what you're actually doing with your body, how much you're consuming, like being able to know that number. If you have someone like one of your patients that's on the obese side and wants to lose a little bit of weight but has been eating a lot of food, we bring their BMI down through a deficit. Um, if you have someone who is in a patient of yours and uh, has to lose weight, has a high BMI, but has been eating a little bit of food, we got to prime them to go into a deficit to bring them down. How do you, I mean, speaking about those patients, how do you maintain their weight once they get down to their goal weight? Let's say they're, they're just really not, you know, they're not competitors, they're not looking to look um, really lean or anything like that. They just need to hit a certain BMI goal. Um, how do you maintain that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so being able to maintain those results all deals with, you know, the foundational habits that you acquire throughout your journey. You got to understand you can't just throw that stuff out the window. If what you did got you to where you want to be, you have to sustain that stuff. That doesn't mean you have to sustain a deficit. You got to understand the underlying foundational principles that apply to get you to where you wanted to get to. Okay. Now, with that being said, mindfulness really comes into play here, right? Understanding like having that food awareness and understanding where, hey, this food is a little bit more beneficial to my body than that food. Maybe I want to choose that today than the other one. doesn't mean that you have to avoid everything, but being able to sustain the results comes down to a lifestyle. So that's where you have to fall back on the habits. You have to fall back on the mindfulness and the strategies that were in place to get you to where you wanted to go. Now, what I do with our metabolic capacity phase is I will keep them where they are in terms of their physique and i will increase their calorie intake now they might gain a little bit more weight because of glycogen and things like that or maybe even adding some muscle tissue right it happens 
So their scale weight might go up, but their physique will look better uh, with us adding food. Um, it's going to look, it's going to be as lean as they were. So I do that by reading biofeedback. So every week we have a check-in, a lot of it's biofeedback, um, and then statistical measures or metrics that I'm looking at. So your scale weight, your waist circumference, um, for women, it's hip circumference and waist circumference. Um, and then we monitor that stuff. And I only make decisions based off of what data is presented. So during this time, you have to be very, very honest with your, with your check-in. You got to let me know everything that's going on, how you're really feeling, because I'm going to base my decisions off of that. And it seems to have worked for, for, for pretty much every client that has been in our metabolic capacity phase. So yeah, uh, there's a system in there that uh, I, it's better if I show it, if I share my screen and show like what I'm looking at, it'd be better for that. So maybe we do that on a different um, podcast or maybe I'll do it on social media or something. I just want to say that medically speaking, you know, um, when a patient comes to me and they say, um, you know, their health markers are, are, um, you know, not in optimal ranges, for example, their lipid panels, um, has a high LDL and their BMI is high and they might be at risk for metabolic syndrome or something like that. Um, I, I just want to point out how much complexity actually goes into the nutrition side, right? All of the things that you've just explained is very individualized and one-on-one one coaching, um, which is helpful, right? It's, it's more than just a doctor saying, hey, go lose some weight and come back to me in three months and we'll repeat your lipid panel and see what your BMI is. Um, I think uh, that we often dismiss patients without giving them the tools, and the tools might be a connection with somebody like yourself, right, that can actually um, help them yeah. in, in very measurable ways and check in with them um, often to see how their progress is going and not just say, um, hopefully in three months you lose some weight. Yeah, and, and one of the things, the reasons, one of the main reasons why we came together is to help bridge that gap too, right? Like bridge that gap where doctors don't know that much about the whole nutrition aspect. And you have nutrition coaches and dietitians and nutritionists who cannot do what you do looking at labs and making and connecting the dots. So we bridge the gap and uh, we take the pieces of the puzzle, we actually put them together to make a full picture here, uh, which is why our company is better than any company out there. <laughs> So um, selfless well, plug there, selfless plug. <laughs> I appreciate your your expertise, um, and I'm glad that you're able to to help the clients that we we have. That um, and you've done a lot of great things. In fact, you've shared a couple of stories. But do you have any more uh, success stories that you want to share? Well, I mean, it kind of just falls into what we just talked about, where like anybody who goes through our metabolic capacity phase, it's really a priming phase. Like if you want to think of it, it really is. Um, but I call it metabolic capacity because I, I specifically put you through the dieting phase and then now I'm working you back up. So it is part of our process. Um, but anyone who's ever been through that is a success story. So yeah, I mean, anecdotally, I have a ton, um, <laughs> with all the clients that I've had over the years. Um, and yeah. you see the clients that are with us now that are going through it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I just like to point out that, um, this psychologically can be difficult for a lot of people I, as a competitor. Um, you know, uh, when you diet down so much and you're a chronic dieter, I know that when we met, that's kind of where I was at and just mentally being like, all right, I have to eat more. 
um, or I need to uh, stop dieting, essentially, uh, it can be difficult. So having that support um, with somebody where you check in and, and, and kind of get that encouragement to work up that metabolic capacity can be um, key to the long-term success um, and your preserving your metabolism long-term. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with it. Long-term success is the key here because you don't want to be stuck in that same cycle that you always do where you think, I did a challenge and it worked for me. I dropped 15 pounds and then you have to go do the challenge again because you want to lose right. the 15 pounds again. So therefore, it didn't work for you. So stop doing it. Yeah. it the shit doesn't work. You got to do this yeah. for the long haul. And that's, I mean, I know it gets said a lot and not everybody wants to hear that because it's, it takes effort. But you, you not only change your, your, your body through this process, you build character. You, you change your mindset. You, you flip perspective that you initially had. And you change your identity. And, I mean, those are all positive things. It's not just about losing body fat. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a lifestyle change, right? Um, it's a perspective change and a lifestyle um, adoption, basically. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have. That's it. That's all you got. That's it. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> do you um, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners or no? No. Just uh, I think that uh, I think I said most of it already. Okay. <laughs> well, just just a quick note um, before we sign off. Um, just understand that you know this metabolic adaptation. Um, it's, it is a natural process. It's okay. If it happens to you, it's perfectly fine. Like it's supposed to happen. But when you have uh, knowledge and education, you can make informed choices. And with that knowledge and education, you could also have sustainable practices. And you can actually work with your body by making these informed choices rather than against it to, to achieve that healthiest, fittest, whatever you want to call it, you. Um, you just need to always remember that when you're talking about your health, it's never a sprint. It's not how fast can I get from A to B. It's a marathon. It requires patience. It requires persistence. And it requires a profound respect for your body's natural mechanisms like metabolic adaptation. Got a little philosophical there. You do. Um, All right. Yeah. Oh, before we do hop off, though, speaking of priming, we are looking for 10 individuals that want to go through a priming phase. Uh, and we think it's perfect right now. I'll put the application link in the show notes. Um, and basically what it is, is you are working with myself with nutrition, Dr. Aaron with your internal health, um, Coach Ross with strength and Coach Micah with endurance now coach ross and coach micah are from ambush athletics uh we came together coach micah used to be a client of mine we had some cool ideas we wound up putting them together and we decided to come up with this priming phase which is just in time for your new year's resolutions so if you are someone who is ready to put forth a two-month commitment at a very very affordable price so we're going to do that two months November to December 31st, right in time for your New Year's resolution so you could be primed for your New Year's resolution dieting phase. I just want to say that you are working with true athletes here. I mean, Micah has done some crazy runs and um, Ross, long, long, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Ross has 
power lifter and yeah, Olympic weightlifting. Extraordinaire. Yeah. 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 So it's cool. Yeah. You have a lot of good minds working together during this priming phase and it's a four on one coaching you, meaning me, Dr. Aaron, coach Ross, coach Micah for every single individual. So we will take care of you and we will prime you, uh, becoming that hybrid athlete if you choose to do so. Um, but this was a great episode, Dr. Aaron, thanks for guiding it this time. Usually it's me always doing the talking, but I'm glad that you were able to guide this one. Uh, I'm going to get you in the next episode though. Uh, we have a few guests, we have a few guests lined up as well. So be prepared for those, um, do us a favor and please leave us a five-star review, leave us any comments, uh, give us a shout out, share our podcast on your social media. We'll give you a shout out like we did with Alex earlier today. And we appreciate your time and we're going to sign out. The podcast content may include discussions of medical topics and health-related information. However, the information provided should not be considered exhaustive or complete, and it should not be relied upon as a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment.